here with the cat. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to season two of Everyday Anarchism. Uh, the cat just meowed that may be in this intro. My guest today is Brian Terrell. We are talking about uh, Dorothy Day, the Catholic worker, and this strange thing that sounds contradictory to many people, Catholic anarchism. And Brian's here to make sense of it for us. Welcome, Brian. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's it's nice to be on. Uh, I, it's, I'm daunted by the challenge of making sense of it. I, I've been working on that my whole life. Uh, maybe I can do that in an hour now and uh, be to my benefit more than anyone else. Yes, uh, um, the physicist, you know, Feynman used to say that if you couldn't explain something in an hour to a group of first year students, you didn't understand it yourself. So this will be, so this will be the test. This will be Feynman's test for you. Okay. Well, perhaps we can start by doing it uh, autobiographically. You can tell okay. us what drew you into the Catholic worker and what you've you've been doing. Okay, my my history. I was born and spent most of my early years around Green Bay, Wisconsin, and uh, my father was in the military actually when I was born. Um, and I uh, and uh, he died when I was six years old, and there were five of us kids. We we grew up in in. Uh, I think in poverty, but with uh, middle-class uh, bourgeois expectations and and uh, mentality that we were raised in. And um, I wasn't raised in any kind of churchy, uh, it was a very Catholic milieu where I, around where I was growing up, but we were not a religious family. Uh, and I came to that as, as, um, as an adolescent. Um, and I went to college for one year uh, and uh, dropped out and uh, found myself in New York City. Uh, this was in the fall of 1975 at the Catholic Worker. Um, I had very little idea what it was when I went there. It was pretty much that they would that they would take me that I you know, that, you know, that, that, that I that I ended up there. And I was it was a very fortunate time. It was um, Dorothy Day, uh, the founder of the Catholic Worker, uh, was 78 years old at the time, and I was 19 uh, when I met her, and uh, she lived for another five years. I was there for 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 four of those years in New York, and uh, it was also um, uh, a couple years after uh, uh, Dan Berrigan, Father Daniel Berrigan, got out of prison for his uh, destruction of draft files in Catonsville, Maryland, which was a uh, uh, great event in in history, um, and I got to know know you know work with Dorothy, and I got to know Dan pretty well as well, and started a. Uh, so what we did in the city is um, we had a uh, house of hospitality, two houses of hospitality, and a soup line that fed hundreds of people every day, um, and uh, a house for women and a house for men. Um, which a few years later uh, all went co-ed. But we had um, uh, published a, a newspaper, The Catholic Worker, and I was also got involved early on and continue to be in, involved in the, the peace movement in um, forms of, of nonviolent direct action. Um, so over the years, I've been in... Um, Spent about two years in prisons and jails. Uh, I've been deported in from 
three countries <laughs> i've been uh, uh i've been very involved for 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 many years in the anti-nuclear movement anti-nuclear weapons movement in europe and i currently have uh expected to be in court in germany uh the day before thanksgiving and i don't think i'm going to make it um uh so yeah so, so after new york i went to uh davenport iowa uh on the mississippi river and uh was there for seven years at another house of hospitality, the Catholic worker, and had um, um, doing um, a lot of the hospitality we had at the time. The Rock Island Line was still running when I moved there, and we had a lot of a lot of hobos. I learned a lot from uh, you know just uh, uh, poor working people, uh, not uh, which was really great because a lot of people that we know through the Catholic worker are down and out and have been are really you know victims of capitalism uh, and it was great to get to know people who were um, uh, who had rejected uh, who were quite capable who were quite uh, you know you know, could have had had a place in society and chose and chose not to so in 1986 and that's where I got married and we had two children uh, uh, in 1986, uh, we moved, my family and another family bought some acres in a little town, Malloy, Iowa, which is on the Missouri border, uh, about equal distance between Kansas City, Omaha, and Des Moines in the southwest. And uh, we have been here um, now almost 36 years. We, we, we raise, have a small dairy herd of goats and and have chickens uh betsy is a weaver and that's a big part of how we make our living um and i am also um and i'm, I'm employed by a nonprofit group in nevada the 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 uh the um nevada desert experience um which is was founded in the protests at the nuclear test site uh in nevada and so i'll be going out there uh, again, in, in, in October, I'm out. So it's a, it's a strange life. I'm on this farm and I'm in, in, um, home more than half the time, but I'm also in, uh, I'm in Las Vegas several times a year. And, um, yeah, I've been in Europe three times in the last, uh, um, 16 months. And, uh, yeah, during the time of the, the Iraq of, of, of the war in, um, the U.S. was actively in war, not the over the horizon, an economic war going on now in Afghanistan. I had the privilege of of uh, visiting there, I think, seven times from 2009 to 2018, uh, uh, and in working with with grassroots groups there that I that I can't talk about with much precision right now because of people's safety. Uh, so yeah, so we're. Um, yeah, I'm milking goats and making cheese and uh, canning vegetables and uh, fomenting revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I'm I'm so I'm so touched by your description of of your life and and that arc. And uh, I mean, it does seem like you are you are putting the ideas that this podcast is about into practice and and putting yourself at risk doing it. So thank you, thank you for that. Thank you. I'm really touched. I mean, this is one way to get in towards 
Dorothy Day. So one one of her great admirers, Dwight McDonald, he also admired George Orwell a lot, and they sometimes both describe themselves as Tory anarchists or conservative anarchists, which you can, you know, there's there's a very negative sense of the term conservative, obviously, but I very much like that idea of an anarchism that seeks to conserve or preserve, not conservative in the sense that it wants to conserve the social order that contains domination and capitalism, but conservative that it wants to make room for things like goat farms and for mm -hmm. the kinds of institutions and traditions of hospitality. David Graeber and David Wingrow in their most recent book suggest that the tradition of hospitality is definitional to civilization until until very, very recent times. And so mm -hmm. This is what this is one of the things that draws me to Dorothy Day is this idea that it's a conservative sense, as opposed to what you might think of uh, of a revolutionary communism, which is essentially the Marxist tradition that wants to take bourgeois capitalism, which has destroyed all of the old institutions, and then just sort of feed off the world that uh, the capitalists have have built. And Marx writes sort of rhapsodically about factories and industrialization mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And in that sense, you know, anarchism could be thought of as conservative and, and Marxism as you might say progressive, if that makes if that makes sense. Is, is all of this making sense? Yeah, I, I think um you know Peter Moore who founded the Catholic Worker with Dorothy Day, he criticized Marxism as being uh, too much like uh, bourgeois capitalism, you know, that it was not a radical, uh, it was it was not a radical um, departure from it. And, and actually, you know, Marx and Engels kind of admitted that, that it was like it's the logical next step. And and uh, that, that uh, yeah, that it wasn't uh, revolutionary enough. And uh, yeah. And yeah. if conservative means whoever has the power keep the power, then I don't I don't want anything to do with conservatism. But if conservatism yeah. means pre preserve preserve these these things, these these traditions of hospitality, these traditional ways of life, the natural world itself, then then we damn well need a conservative mo movement. Right. I think, and uh, uh, Jesus put it, I think how the, the it's like the the this. You know that the kingdom of God is like the the these, the um, keeper of the stores who pulls out something new and something old. Right. And, and uh, you know there there is much much that's old that we can learn from. There's much that's old that we need to get rid of. Yes. Uh, and uh, just because something's new and it's the latest thing doesn't mean that it's that it you know that it's good. And just because something is very very old doesn't mean it's bad. Um, you know, it, it takes it takes discernment, and and uh, you know that's a life work. Yeah, excellent discernment, and you know, a for a form of stewardship, I would say that uh, that is not going to show up in. You know, I like to complain about you know the the spreadsheets and the you know data visualization view of of progress, and I really do admire anyone who is mm. able to. Um, to see something that seems to me like a, a deeper and and truer sense of what we of what a revolution would would look mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I guess at this point, I mean that's just to say, especially in in the world we're living in right now, and especially I think in the United States, although I don't know 
um, the other parts of the world as well. There's a reflexive assumption that Catholicism is a conservative institution, not in the, not in the good sense of preserving mm -hmm. an older way of life that, that works and cares for the individual, but in the sense of, you know, part of the United States culture wars and on, and on the wrong side of the culture wars, if you are on the left. And that's one of the reasons why I want to talk to you about George yeah. because it's obviously, it's obviously not where the Catholic worker fits into this, this sense of Catholicism and, and the political landscape. Yeah, and I, I think um, as far as the institution goes, Dorothy shares that criticism <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that you articulate there. Um, uh, yeah, she, uh, the, the, the way she put it once is, um, I love the church for Christ made visible, not for itself, because it was so often a scandal to me. And she said over and over again in history, the church has become so corrupt, it cries out to heaven for vengeance. <laughs> but she also quoted uh, the theologian Romano Gardini, who said that the uh, church is the cross on which Christ is crucified. <laughs> and you can't separate Christ from, mm -hmm. you know, from, from his church. I, I think there's, uh, it just comes to mind, um, a uh, quote from Graham Greene's The Comedians, a, a character in that book in, in Haiti, uh, who's a communist, who's confronted with, with the horrors that communists have done. And he said, um, and I think this goes for the church too, said, I would rather have blood on my hands than water like Pilate, washing his hands of it. And I think that's something for Dorothy as a Catholic. She... Um, she didn't wash her hands of it. You know, she, you know, she, 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 I'm lately rereading some of her stuff. I'm, I'm haunted by how often she quoted the Bible in peace is my bitterness most bitter and remember Jesus telling us our enemies of our own household. And she's always talking about bishops and priests when she talks about the enemies of our household, but she says, we must learn, we must love our enemies. So she, she, she recognizes uh, the corruption, when she recognizes, uh, you know, she, it was a very poignant, she wrote about Cardinal Spellman during the Vietnam War, this, you know, cardinal of the, of the Catholic Church, her archbishop saying, repeating the words about Vietnam, are my country right or wrong? Mm. And yeah. she writes about how she struggled, you know, in prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament, how, how can I love this man? And she wrote about it, and it was published in the paper, in her paper, in her column. This was a very public thing that she was she was calling, calling him out. And and um, so yeah, I, th I think we we're all very compromised. Um, I I think you know trying to find uh, uh, a movement or a church or a party or something um, that you know that that that, that isn't soiled is. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's it's heartbreaking to me reading about India, what's happening there. Uh, how could, how is, how is extreme Hindu fundamentalism possible? <laughs> you know, but, 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 but it's happening and, 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 and people are being killed. There are extremist Buddhist monks who are fomenting hatred against Muslims in, in Sri Lanka and in, 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 in uh, Burma. Uh, that there isn't any, 
you know, Richard Nixon was a Quaker. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it is to, 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 you know, to, 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 um, you know, to, uh, you know, have the courage to look at the bloody history that, that, that we're a part of. I think that's the struggle now with, in the United States over, uh, so-called critical race theory and wokeism and everything is can we can we see and accept that 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 that, that we are all responsible for this we are all and and to, to and and there is no way we can wash our hands there's no way uh and if we try the water on our hands is more shameful than the blood you know because we're yeah it's i i did not I was not planning on discussing critical race theory, <laughs> um, but, but you're absolutely right. It's that same. It's that same question of to what extent, to what extent can we deal with the fact that the, the situation that we are you know a part of is is bloody and and simply saying that you are not a part of it is is not an option. Or as you say, like that's the kind of washing of hands that is that is disingenuous and and hypocritical. Right, right. So I I threw us straight into the twenty first century with my questions. I wanna I wanna step back, okay, uh, and and do a bit of history. I mean, I really uh, I know very little about. I mean, I know only the Wikipedia level understanding of Dorothy Day's life and the founding of the movement, and I haven't covered her at all on the podcast. One thing I do know is that her. Her radicalism came before her Catholicism. So I'm wondering if you can talk about that and how she, you know, went from a, a radical to a radical Catholic. Yeah, so she, Dorothy uh, was born in 1897 uh, to, I think, a bourgeois but unlucky family, uh, maybe maybe like mine. I never thought of that before. So, so uh, and her father was a, a journalist um, who I think also had... Uh, addiction problems that kept the family in poverty. Um, uh, she was a witness to the great earthquake in San Francisco as a child. And then she she was living on um, uh, back of the yard Chicago uh, in the same years that, that you know, she, she was contemporary with with uh, the jungle, the, the great uh, the great novel that that, that about the, the, the immigrants' uh, life in the south side of Chicago. Um, and I think she, she was moved from the beginning um, with, I don't wanna say the plight of the poor because she, she, she was uh, in, a, in a way in love with the poor as well, not, in a, not as in a romantically kind of um, sentimental way. Uh, but um, you know, she was drawn, uh, and and uh, and she was very uh, um, fiercely angry about about uh, about uh, injustice. And um, as a girl, she 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 rejected the churches. She said, "There's all this charity, but but uh, all these people who are trying to." Um, trying to to serve the slaves but who is trying to get rid of slavery <laughs> abolish slavery and and she said charity is a word to choke on mm. um you know that, that that it's uh you know in a way sometimes cooperation uh 
uh, with evil. And so she was drawn to, um, you know, she went to college for a year and dropped out and went to New York City and um, became a journalist with various socialist and communist papers. Um, she joined the IWW, the, Inter the Industrial Workers of the World, and uh, was, you know, that was a very big impression on her. Um, and um, I think that her conversion, uh, people like to make a neat break. And you know, the conversion of St. Augustine, for people who know about that, is used as, a, as an example where you have somebody who is living one way completely and then one day a light goes on and they change completely and they're and, and they're a different person. It's it's almost like a you know a, and I think I think I, I don't know if anybody's conversion is actually like that. But for 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 Dorothy, uh, becoming a Christian was was a straight line. It was a continuum. What she said about this. Um, Better let it be said that I found Christ in His poor, and in a moment of joy I turned to Him. I have said, sometimes flippantly, that the mass of bourgeois smug Christians who denied Christ and his poor made me turn to communism. And it was the communists, in working with them, that made me turn to God. So oh, that's, that's wonderful. So I think she was a real, really embodied the idea, you know, in Catholic theology, we have the, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, you know, in a way that's this this more real, not but more intensely than than a lot of the, the Protestant churches view it. Um, I think Dorothy recognized the real presence of Christ in in the poor and in people, in everyone, uh, but per particularly where people were suffering the most was where Christ was was more present. So she had the sacramental Christ, but she also so she would see the Christ in you, and and she had um, just as much reverence for that. So um, yeah, it was the 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 birth of a child. She was in a common law marriage and and uh, was quite happy in a natural kind of way uh, to to uh, to an anarchist. Uh, and um, the birth of a child brought her, was a, really a miracle to her. And she, um, she really felt like she had to join the Catholic Church. And she had, and that meant this, the family broke up. She had no idea. Her only real image of the Catholic Church, she didn't know any of the theology. Um, she didn't know the social teachings of the church. Most Catholics didn't. Most Catholics don't, uh, despite her efforts for the rest of her life. Um, but she saw it, it was the church of the poor. So her experience was that this was that, that, the, that the people that she lived with in the back of the yards who were um, you know, Polish and Slavic and you know, were Catholic, and then li living on the Lower East Side of New York, the, you know, the Italians and the Poles and the, uh, were overwhelmingly Catholic. And um, so this, this was her, her attraction to it. And um, she, you know, she, um, well, I think to go, to go back to uh, 
before her conversion, I think it's important because of the subject of this matter is of this discussion is about anarchism. Uh, one of the things that happened to her that was a very changing life, life changing experience is in 2017 or 1917, Dorothy was arrested at the White House with the with the suffragettes, and she was a part of of the horrible um, uh, events that that of of you know women who had been arrested in front of the White House asking for the vote um, had been um, very uh, had had been mistreated in a very public way, and it shamed. You know, it, it turned Woodrow Wilson around. It was pivotal in the women getting the vote. And, uh, you know, some people say that, you know, if you don't vote, you're not showing respect for Dorothy Day and all this, but but she never voted. And she was, she made it clear. She was working for the newspaper, The Masses, which was a communist paper at the time, and the government had shut it down. <laughs> it had been suppressed and she had nothing to do. And her friend Peggy Baird was going, so she had time on her hands. And also I think she, she, she yeah, as, as a younger woman, she said that was her reason. And later she, she said she really was there for the, um, because of the way p prisoners were being treated. Mm -hmm. And uh, and her time in jail was, um, yeah, she said that she uh, lost all consciousness of any cause. I could only feel darkness and desolation all around me. That I would be free again after 30 days meant nothing to me. I would never be free again, never free when I knew that behind bars all over the world were women and men, young girls and boys, suffering constraint, punishment, isolation for crimes of which all of us are guilty. Mm. People sold themselves for job, for the paycheck, and if they received a high enough price, they were honored. If their cheating, their theft, their lies were of colossal proportions. If successful, they were met with praise and not blame. A lot of the things that are being said about Dorothy now, one of them is that she was a suffragette or suffragist. Um, is probably one of the least harmful ones. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, trying to put her, trying to put her into a box. So anyway, after her conversion, she. She was very hurt that that um, many of her radical friends uh, were cool to her, and she had no sense of. Um, she said she went through the sacraments at first uh, without any kind of joy or elation. She just went through them by rote. She knew that it was the right thing to do intellectually, but it didn't. It didn't grab her, and she had the experience in 1932. Um, uh, several years after her conversion, she, um, for Commonweal magazine, a more liberal uh, Catholic magazine, she covered a poor people's march in Washington. And she saw, you know, you know where, where are the Catholics? Where are the Christians? Where are the religious people? You know, just seeing, and, and she felt, a, felt that estrangement and was very depressed. And, um, uh, yeah, she came home to New York and uh, found Peter Morin waiting for, <laughs> waiting on her doorstep. Uh, and that started something, as I mentioned about Peter before, he, he, um, he was somebody, he was a, a French peasant um, 
who had um, his family been on the same land, you know, to way beyond history and uh, lived in a village. He had a minimal education as a Christian brother and left that and uh, came to the, at first, I think, to Canada um, and tried homesteading. Um, he was never in the United States legally. He was always, always here as, as an unlawful immigrant, unpapered immigrant. Uh, and, um, and really opened her eyes to the uh, um, Catholic social teachings that, that um, uh, Peter said were, were you know, you know the, the Catholic Church has a more radical criticism of the bourgeois capitalism than, than Marxism. And she found a better criticism and learned about the saints and learned about the, you know, the, the, the um, you know, some of the traditions of Catholicism and the teachings of the church that, that really have been, um, you know, to this day, uh, most, even I think most Catholic clergy, I think most Catholic theologians uh, are unaware of, of a lot of the teachings of the church. Um, you know, the fact that, that usury, lending money at interest, is never, the Catholic church has never lifted its ban on that. And and every Catholic diocese and almost every Catholic institution lends money at at interest. Um, uh, but but uh, you know Peter saw it and agreed with the with the prophets and the law of Moses and with the the, the uh, Greek philosophers that this was a this was a, a, a great evil and that this was the cause that of a lot of our of a lot of human suffering. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that was. Uh, um, I think learning that that not only could you be a Christian and Catholic radical, but that to be a Christian, to be a Catholic really was a very radical thing, um, despite the enemies of our household, <laughs> who we love, and and uh, we can't separate Christ from his cross, but, but that the church is often that cross. Yeah, one of the things that struck me, I mean, as you were talking about that era, this is certainly an era that I cover. I've covered a lot on mm. on this podcast. The industrial workers of the world, people like Lucy Parsons, uh, Jane mm. Adams, Emma Goldman, all all in this era. Many of them in Chicago. But the other thing that struck me is, you know, Leo Tolstoy and Walter Rauschenbusch. Who, I mean, I think Rauschenbusch is more or less an anarchist. He certainly would not have uh, accepted that label. Neither would Henry George. But there was this sense that there was something radical about Christianity in the late 19th and early 20th century. I'm not a good enough historian to know exactly why that thread seems to be so much less evident after the, the really the roaring 20s and the Depression seems to be. It seems to be in the 20s and 30s is when someone like Dorothy Day becomes uh, not alone, but a lot lonelier in a sense of a radical left-wing version of Christianity. The mm -hmm. other thing that's fascinating is that, you know, Tolstoy thought to do this, you had to reject the church. You could not have any sort of church. I mean, he was deeply influenced by Thoreau and Emerson, and you know, mm -hmm. they were they were very uninterested in, in joining anything as well. And it does seem to me that that's part of the reason why that that part of Tolstoy is not talked about as much anymore because there was no 
way for it to be sustained. Um, mm -hmm. He did. He he barely even had any disciples, let alone an organization. Whereas Dorothy has the the Catholic Worker, which is still is still going and still alive and and suffused by her spirit. When it seems like all of the other remnants of early 20th century or late 19th century radical Christianity are 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 gone. Perhaps a few of them remain uh, mm -hmm. in in Latin America, but I even that thread of communist influence or Marxist influence, social gospel, liberation theology seems to have uh, ne nearly waned. If that's uh, you're, you're probably more tied into this than I am. So yeah, uh, well, well there are other other examples is this new monasticism movement uh which is mainly you know protestant evangelical uh people who would might call themselves anarchists as well yes, and uh, yeah, yeah there are um are small communities and, it, and it's um yeah and, and the catholic worker is 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 growing um uh it's an interesting thing that that uh th there's a uh, Dan McCannon is wrote a book, The Catholic Worker After Dorothy, and he actually, his job now, he's the Ralph Waldo Emerson Chair of Ethics at Harvard <laughs> University. What a what a job! Uh, but he wrote the man who got banned from Harvard University, <laughs> right, Ralph, right. Ralph Waldo Emerson. But anyways, <laughs> now, he, now there's an endowed chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, academia is strange. And he he. Uh, but he wrote about the Catholic Worker, um, why it has why, why it has persisted is that because it didn't try to persist. Mm. It was never, Dorothy didn't try to start a movement that would go on into the, you know, go on into the future. It was very, very, very uh, immediate and very precarious and very personal, dealing with, with uh, and 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 in a response to particular situations, it isn't that um, you know, uh, Jock Maritain, the philosopher who's who's a good friend of Dorothy's, was was saying a Catholic philosopher saying that that uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't only work or even primarily work in uh, institutions that have a, you know that they're able to maintain a long history. That sometimes it's groups of friends who get together and and dissipate later that that's you know we're looking for institutional things um so i think, I think one story that 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 uh was just a uh, couple of years resolved a couple of years before i arrived in new york is uh one of the things the catholic workers always promoted is um not paying taxes uh federal income tax uh for um uh and uh you know many catholic workers have gone to prison uh, rather than pay for war is uh, uh, and um, in nineteen seventy two at the same time, the Catholic worker has uh, some there's no law about this, and some individual communities have incorporated and everything. but there's been kind of a fear of what's later been called the the nonprofit industrial system. Oh, yes, <laughs> and uh, so in nineteen seventy two, the Catholic worker in New York was given a bill of like a $200,000 they had to pay. The choice was 
well, they're told you have to pay this money. This is this is what we figure your back taxes are. And uh, but they were offered a chance, said we will retroactively forgive all this if you register as a 501c3 charity, if you register as a charitable and if you structure yourself and Dorothy wrote, I'm afraid of the word structure. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, we, we don't intend to, to incorporate. Um, and the um, IRS then threatened to put the house in New York City and the farm at Tivoli, New York, to put them to auction them off to pay the bill and, and in effect leave the Catholic worker homeless. And eventually they blinked. But Dorothy just said, "Okay, that's fine. Um, you can you can do that." I, th I think she she better the Catholic worker homeless than the Catholic worker accede to these these um, to the kind of structuring and institutionalization that would normally you'd think you have to to, cont to continue on. Uh, I know you have the questions about Saint Francis. Is yeah, the Franciscans have had to. This is their thinking. The, the reason why there's still Franciscans around is because they've institutionalized and got themselves, um, uh, you know, canonically accepted as an order in the church, and and so because of all this, they have all these rules, and and now to be a Franciscan, you have to get a college education, and you, and and they they have insurance, and they're they're driving nice cars, and all this, and all this is because they they, you know, they needed. To do that, to now, I'm to say that there are some very heroic Franciscans who are holding on to the tradition. Uh, they're usually they're not very good. Uh, they're they're not very well treated within their order, but but there are some that that are that are holding the radicals. I'm not, you know, but but see this this is the kind of thing that that I think maybe the Catholic worker is still around because of that stand taken then to say. Or, or perhaps if it were still around, it would be a, dif a different thing. If it, if it had become, perhaps it would right. have survived as a as part of the charity industrial complex. But that's not that's not the sort of right. thing that it yeah. is. There's, there's enough of those organizations going around. Right. Yeah. And 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 Dorothy really um, was very open with her disdain for those. <laughs> uh, those organizations, um, recognizing the good that they did, but uh, yeah, she said, uh, if we for if we neglect agitation, we are merely philanthropists uh, doling out palliatives. Yeah, I just learned that the word philanthropist uh, or philanthropy in the original Greek meaning it it did not uh, apply to people; it applied to the sort of nice gods. And uh, when people started being philanthropists, the idea was, I godlike bestow upon you my favor. So philanthropists <laughs> are putting themselves in the place of the yeah. gods, which could not be further from what I imagine what the Catholic worker seeks to do. Yeah. And I, I think to talk about Dorothy's conversion as well and the ongoing conversion is, um, and how the Catholic worker uh, differs from groups like the Salvation Army and Catholic Charities and such is um, if we believe what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 
when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Is that we're, we're actually meeting Christ in these situations. Is that we are not the missionaries bringing Christ to the poor people who are coming to our door. We're not representing Christ to the people coming in on the soup line. You know, no, it's reverse. It's their Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and we are being converted. Like the idea that, that you know, the effrontery of saying, I'm going to convert Jesus <laughs> uh, is, but see, the conversion is important. The conversion is in ourselves um, and in our society. So rather than as in a, um, you know, uh, religious usual religious mission kind of thing where somebody in order to get a bowl of soup they have to listen to a sermon mm -hmm. is we are concerned about conversion and we do preach sermons but we go to the pentagon to do that <laughs> <laughs> we go to the raytheon corporation and and not to tell you know not so much be concerned about the the the, the picadellos of 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 the poor is as trying to change them is to change the um you know the people that are being preached to uh, are are the are the rich and powerful and even the hierarchs of our church yeah which again that seems to me very in keeping with the the teachings of jesus in terms of who who needs to hear the message and i think this is also you know as you've been talking this idea of you know whether anarchist is a good label to apply to Dorothy Day. I mean, insofar as labels are good to apply to, to anyone, I mean, I think that has to be a topic for another day. I'm, what, what I'm hearing is certainly what I would call anarchism. It's, it's direct action. It's resistance to the sort of incorporation of a, of a good idea into the, yeah, the government or nonprofit industrial complex. And it's, it's holding... It's holding to one's beliefs in in the face of persecution, and then it seems to me very strikingly that it is it is about individual conscience that leads to a community, and it's sort of you know the the, the community flowers from the individual conscience and the belief, which has always been the objection to anarchism. It's like oh, well, just everyone will do whatever they want to do if you don't have someone keeping them in line and the argument is that in fact if people follow their heart they will end up mm -hmm. you know wor working together and they don't need something keeping them in line in fact right. it's it's the collaboration that 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 creates the community rather than the other way around you have to right. force the community to get collaboration and it is about a social order it's not denying that there's going to be organization and and uh which is how that comes about. And Howard Zinn, the historian Howard Zinn pointed out too, is thing is you're saying that that the um, there's been a lot more evil and harm in the world done by people obeying the state than by yeah. people being disobedient <laughs> to it. <laughs> uh, it's the yeah, um, and, and and I think history shows that you know where 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 uh, you know the, the state is supposed to be some kind of moral guardian and to you know. Um, you know, that's what Catholic theologians and bishops were saying um, during World War II in Germany. Mm. You know, that's what Franz Jager's daughters and beatified on his way to sainthood, an Austrian peasant who, who uh, 
refused to fight in Hitler's army. And, and he was told by the church, you have a responsibility. This is the state that exists for, you might not like its policies, but it, it exists for the good of, of, of the community and without it will be in chaos. And it's like the most horrible, horrible things happen because of people being obedient to the state. Um, and it's happening now, you know, it's, um, uh, yeah, so so the label anarchist, it's that's been very interesting. Um uh with with the canonization process going on and uh, Dorothy's uh in December the Dorothy's cause for canonization moved from the local and New York diocese to they shipped all the documents off to Rome and and they're working on it there and it's uh um Yes, so this is a sticking point for people because um, to have an anarchist saint is 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 an impossible scandal. And they say, well, it's Cardinal O'Connor who started this whole ball rolling in the 1990s. He, you know, he said flat out, well, you have to divide Dorothy's life into two distinct pieces mm -hmm. before and after a conversion. And she had completely disowned all of that when she became a Catholic. And... Um, yeah, the, you know, there, the, you know, there, there, there are scholars who are, you know, saying as much. There are people teaching courses on Dorothy Day in universities who are saying that that her anarchism was was part of her sinful past that she had converted from, and um, she was uh, no, she she recognized that the, the, the that it was a difficult. Um, a, that it's a difficult concept, but she said that's why I repeat it over and over again <laughs> for a clarification of thought. Uh, you know, the three pillars of the Catholic worker are uh, houses of hospitality, farming communes, and clarification of thought. And that, and to, for clarification of thought, and she said, if people are upset by the word, then maybe it's because they need to be upset. Uh, so she was, uh, and she continued through her lifetime. Um, I found uh, uh, from her column in 1974, uh, she attended at Hunter College, there was a, um, a convention of, of anarchists, and she attended it. Um, it was just six years before her death. And she said, she wrote, I did not talk Jesus to the anarchists. There was no time to answer the one great disagreement that was in their minds. How can you reconcile your faith to the monolithic authoritarian church that seems so far from Jesus, who had no place to lay his head, who said, sell all you have and give to the poor, with your anarchism? Because I'd been behind bars and police stations, houses of, houses of detention, jails and prison farms, whatever they're called, 11 times, they have refused to pay federal income taxes and have never voted, they accept me as an anarchist. And I, in turn, see Christ in them, because even though they deny him, because they are giving their lives to working for a better social order for the wretched of the earth. So she was seeing these anarchists who denied Christ as, as working toward the kingdom of God, <laughs> working toward the, 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 the um, better social order for the wretched of the earth, that she saw the bishops uh, denying, so she 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 um, 
she didn't agree with all anarchists. She didn't agree with all Catholics. <laughs> she didn't agree with all pacifists. Um, and she wasn't looking for. She could she could admire people, who um, uh, on the issue of being uh, again being a uh, uh, being a pacifist. It didn't make her less of a pacifist that she could see people who are struggling. Like she said about Castro. Uh, better taking up arms than to be doing nothing or being, you know, living off of and supporting uh, an oppressive state. You know, better to take up arms than do nothing. You know, Gandhi said the same thing. You yeah. know, that 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 uh, if you don't have the courage to take up nonviolent direct action, you better <laughs> you better take up a gun because because you have to do something. You know, that 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 and and so yeah, so we're all compromised. I I think the uh one one thing that um i think of with the iww the industrial workers of the world union they wanted a complete um overthrow of capitalism they wanted the means of production to be owned by the workers uh at the same time they were looking at um they supported the 8 hour workday yeah. yeah. You know, and some of them died uh agitating for the eight hour workday. So we don't um I think that's one of the one of the things that that uh that I think one of the mistakes some people make, uh, either who call themselves anarchists or critical of anarchism is we're not pretending the state doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, that, that that that's a very dangerous position. You know, it, it isn't we can't ignore the state. The state is there and it has to be dealt with. It has to be resisted. And sometimes it has to be cooperated with, but always with, with, with you know, recognizing that this is not the best way for human beings to be organized. And it doesn't have to be this way. And we're working for something else, but we can't just, uh, uh, um, it, it, the state is not something to be, to be ignored. Um, because where I live, we have a lot of uh, Amish neighbors, and um, and uh, we do business with them, breeding our goats and such, and uh, you know enjoy uh, most of my um, interactions with them. You know, but we're you know we, we we really have very little in common. You know, we 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 are living on the land and trying to live simply. Uh, they're not trying to build a new community. They're not trying to you know they're they're I'm not saying this is a criticism of them, but just to point out the difference is that, that they are concerned about the, 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 the purity of their group and their individual purity as far as they're good neighbors and they're, they're, they're friendly and everything, but they're not trying to reorganize society. You know, they, I, you know, I, think, I think that's how they started with the radical <laughs> reformation, yeah. but, but they have, you know, it's their way of institutionalizing is just to say, no, as long as our kids are not, are not drafted as long as our kids are not being forced into um, uh, you know mandatory education. It's like you know uh, leave us alone, and and we'll we'll do fine. And that's not what you know, I, I think the Catholic worker is um, has you know some things in common, but but we're we're we see the gospel as something revolutionary. Um, yeah, I I mean I couldn't agree more with with that. I mean I think the gospel was revolutionary when it was first preached, and I think it's probably even more 
revolutionary now. Um, I'm struck, you know, we're, we're running out of time and, and thinking about, you know, where I started our correspondence and I also started this podcast, this, this contradiction of Dorothy Day as an anarchist, but also as part of this, you know, authoritarian monolithic organization of the Catholic Church. I really like that instead of saying the church, you've been saying the bishops. And one thing mm -hmm. we should always remember is that the bishops are not the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church is not uh, is not monolithic. In fact, that's uh, I would say like Episcopal propaganda that the Catholic <laughs> Church is is monolithic. And so when we accept that propaganda, the Catholic mm -hmm. Church is whatever the cardinals or the bishops say. Then a Catholic anarchist does not make any sense. But when we think of Catholic, Catholic means, it means one, but it means one in an all-encompassing sense, as opposed to a unified sense. All forms of, well, there's the cat in our, in, in, in interrupting my summary, but all, all these ways of expressing, you know, the teachings of Jesus belong under the, the, the roof, the roof of the Catholic Church. And the idea that the, that the Catholic Church is, whatever policies and orders the bishops have given, I think Dorothy Day is proof that, that that's a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And rarely would I think that be the, the understanding of the Catholic Church throughout history, unless you ask the College of Cardinals, and they will assure you that's what the Catholic Church is. Right, and, and that's what I think is in, in um, at this time in history with Dorothy, and even though her writings are all over the internet, you can they're published, you can read them, you can, the most amazing and absurd things uh, really sometimes I think lies are being told about her and to try to, and I, I'm afraid that, that a lot of times the people who are pushing her canonization are, are, uh, are sometimes, not always, very responsible for that. Um, because what Dorothy offers us, especially at this time, uh, uh, there was a time when people would be Catholic because their mom, mom and dad were Catholic or their village is Catholic and they never learned anything else. And there, it was either uh, either um, just convention or family or something. But today, people who are Catholic um, in our society are not are not under that constraint. And we, we and and we need to be able to realize that somebody can be dissatisfied with the church. You know, Dorothy said we must live in a state of permanent dissatisfaction with the church, that that's possible and to be part of it. Otherwise, this idea that Dorothy Day was, was uh, a pious Catholic who was obsessed with whether the priests wore vestments and whether the, 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 the chalice was made out of metal or tin or Clay, that, that that that's missing that that's missing her point, and it's not respectful of her or respectful of the truth. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it, and I think we can be, you know, we can be Americans, and you know, <laughs> very very discontented with what with what America is, and we are all sit, you know, citizens of the world, a world that is yes. not the one that we want to be a part of. the The solution is not to deny that we are a part of it but to, to make it together, collectively, be more like the world we want it to be. And it just, that obviously was Dorothy's mission and I'll, I'll end where we started. It's clear that that's been your mission as well, Brian. And I just wanna thank you again for, for all that you've done. And of course, you know, for this little bit of time on this podcast as well. Okay, well, thank you, it's a joy.
Thank you. Anything you would like to say before we before we go? Anything else you want to add? Um, yeah, I think you, you had a question about St. Francis, and I think that was very, I think it's very, um, very much like Dorothy and St. Francis were very much alike, and, and the canonization process uh, was very, very difficult for people. The, the, his early, uh, the writings of his early companions were, were banned in the church for years yes. because they, they, they made up a, uh, uh, they made up a story of a pious guy who preaches to birds and, and uh, which is true, but it's, he's also someone who preached against the crusades yeah. and who, who made friends with the Sultan and, uh, uh, you know, much of this history is stuff that was lost until really kind of recently. So, so yeah, so, so I think, um, I think as somebody who, who actually knew her and, and had a sort of a friendship with her as much as a 19 year old kid and a 78 year old woman could have a friendship. We were friends and I, I feel kind of an obligation. Um, uh, I think I'm kind of seen as a, as a scold to some of my friends, but, but to, to remind people of who she was. Uh, uh, I think the canonization really can be good. It could end up being very, very helpful. But I think it, if it's going to be, it's going to be because some people are going to be uh, making themselves unpopular by <laughs> by uh, speaking out uh, about aspects of Dorothy that are not not comfortable. Okay. Well, I will be I will be keeping an eye on that process, and uh, and I will I will reach out to you if it's if it seems like we need to to speak more about this as we as we. As, as the as the bureaucracy of yeah. the canonization process unfolds. Thank you so well, much. I'll be happy to talk to you again. So wonderful.